Welcome to the show, everybody. Stay tuned for the end of the show, delivering a little bit of bonus content for you. Totally optional, but you can hear me go on a little spiel about some advice with alcohol and magnesium. Ooh, teaser. And uh, I'm going to be talking about memory and in relation to uh, wellness and our sense of self and how it's being constructed all the time in the moment and how that's impacting how we look back on our lives. So stay tuned after the show for a, a little rant about that. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. All right, here we go, everybody. I'm, I'm taking a whack at this intro. We're going to try to nail it on the first try, all right? Are you ready? Welcome to the Here We Are podcast, everybody. Today, I am talking with the Marion B. <laughs> Angersall? Is yeah. it Angersall? Professor yeah. of Marketing at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. Jeff Shuleman is joining me today. Is it Shuleman? I didn't ask it's you. Shulman. Shulman. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is. Can we leave all this in anyway? <laughs> you can leave it in. Yeah. I forgot to ask you how to say your Shulman. Yeah. Sh- what I say, Shuleman. Shuleman or something. Yeah. <laughs> I like. I'm like making up vowels and putting them in there. And so, I don't know if I'm dyslexic or what my issue is. I did hear. I heard something like really. Um, interesting oh what is the name of this paper um there there's this paper it's called something like i i'm i'm not an academic so i don't have to be careful about how i'm citing people and blah blah blah. um (laughs) (laughs) listeners aren't going to care but but it is worth looking up it's a short paper it's called how to do and say exactly the wrong thing in any situation it's okay. something like that. Yeah. that that's very close to what the title of it is and the idea is and it applies to why i screw up intros so, because in my head i'm like oh, i suck at intros and i try really hard well the idea is is this is like why people often like comically do the exact opposite of what they're intentionally like tr- actively trying very hard not to do like um i think they they use in it in the paper as an example you know you, you're, you're like trying to like you have the glass of red wine and, and you're don't spill you're, don't, don't spill. spill on the host carpet and then you juggle yep. it and exactly like what you're telling yourself not to do and i guess the kind of neurological underpinnings of that is that there's these these two streams of of information being being filtered through and one is one is measuring the level of importance huh. of a task and the other is whether to do a thing or not do it okay and under stress those two streams get disassociated okay and the do or don't do can get mixed up yeah so you're just like this is really important what was it drop the wine <laughs> and i'm like this explains why i'm so bad at these intros i put so much pressure on myself and then i'm always fumbling and it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy so it's a running joke on on the show that i'm just the worst at intros well i've got um, another explanation for you because yeah? i have a podcast myself yeah 
Yeah. yeah. And I well, always, what's, what's the name of your podcast, first of all? Seattle Growth Podcast, available free on iTunes. All uh, right. Uh, so I have a podcast, and I, I screw up the intros all the time myself, uh, so you're not alone. But instead of saying that it's because I'm stressed and I don't want to do it, I say it's because I want to make the guests feel comfortable that they too can screw up. We don't have to be perfect. <laughs> that is such a load of crap. <laughs> <laughs> that is is that truly what you tell yourself or is that just it, like I, i've convinced myself uh, wow. and my guests um it makes it it takes the edge sure. off if he could screw okay. up the intro then okay. they could screw up anything yeah. they want yeah. uh, man i i'm gonna start trying to reframe my own failures yeah that's right <laughs> and, it's and not a failure like, it's a, a success <laughs> winning hashtag winning <laughs> that is terrific so um, I, I don't know. There There's a couple directions we can go because I want to make sure that you get to plug your podcast and everything too. But I, I think maybe, why don't we start with your background and what you actually do on an academic level? Because it's it's a bit different than your podcast. That's right? correct. They're, yeah. they're maybe probably a little related, but, but also yeah. vastly different at the same time. That's correct. So I am a professor of marketing here at the University of Washington. And my research is focused on applying game theory to marketing problems. Ooh, it's you what, know, we haven't talked much about game theory on this podcast. I love game theory. I could use refreshers myself. I'm yeah. so excited to talk awesome. about this. All and, right. And I have to say, you you must be very talented if you could make academics coming on your show popular um, for people to listen to. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to let you lead this one as much as you would like. But game theory, in short is uh, best explained by the prisoner's dilemma. Yeah. So imagine you Wait, and I- First off, game theory is so fascinating. It, this is what you're, you're going to explain it right now. And I think my listeners are going to be absolutely fascinated. Do you think this is a boring subject? Is that, are you like, uh, sometimes academics are like, who's going to care about my little, I, is it because like so few people like read the publications and stuff or is that... <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> I don't know where the insecurity comes from. That's a really good question. I mean, I, because because from my point of view, I think it's more of like people just aren't exposed to these ideas. But yeah. when they are, they're like, "This is mind blowing." That uh, at least it certainly was for me, and that's why I have a podcast about this stuff. Well, I think you're um, right, and I hope you're right. Yeah, I think that I am. And so, prisoner's dilemma. Yeah. Think, so let's step back, and let me agree with yeah. you. Game theory is important. Everybody should know it because game theory is a way that we could explain behaviors, we could predict the future yeah. based off of how people uh, anticipate responses to what they will do, and then uh, acting in their best interest. So I agree. Game theory is awesome. <laughs> um, so prisoner's dilemma. Imagine you and I decide to give up on this podcast and go on an epic crime uh, crime spree. So yeah, now we're talking. Yeah, um, what would this the crime spree be? What, what are we is really moving along <laughs> yeah. quickly? Yeah, you know, nice we're to meet you. Let's go planning, break some laws. <laughs> planning heist. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to admit. So first off, I I mean, I think like one dealing drugs is like. If anything, a community service. Um, so, you know, morally, I, I feel okay about it. And then, uh, so that's one option for us. And then two, there's a little part of me that's always run, wanted to rob a bank. I mean, is that is that in everybody? Like, has, has, have most, do you think most people have like, thought about robbing a bank like i wonder <laughs> if i could I don't, I don't mean to but like everyone's like seen the movie heat 
And okay. I'm like, oh, Italian that job. Would be, yeah, that would be so cool. To, I don't know. It just it seems like a fun thing. The the movies certainly portray it. <laughs> they do portray as a fun, exciting yep. activity. I don't think the reality of it would be all that great. But uh, well, but, as a professor, I have to uh, as I teach and shape the young minds, I have to condemn both of your crime spree <laughs> ideas. <laughs> okay, but let's say you and I we go out, we we rob a bank, uh, we I do an th- epic crime spree we get caught on one small thing of what we've done in this epic crime spree and we're 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 put in jail and they're questioning us both and we're separated we're separated and they're going to offer us a chance if i if i rat out on you um i'm going to get a a, my record expunged they're not going to bust me on what they charged us what they brought us in originally um and then you will get the book thrown at you because they'll know of all the drug dealing or bank robberies that, that you've done in the past um so if we don't if neither of us talk we only get busted on this small charge um but if one of us talks the other person's gonna get the book thrown at them and the person who talks uh walks free yeah and i mean what's boring about this we just we already in our minds went on a crime spree we were (laughs) robbing banks now we're getting interrogated this is like my palms are sweating yeah it's intense and so we're in that room and um I don't know, is it Matlock? Or who, who do you want to be uh, interrogating us? <laughs> oh, who do I want to be interrogated by? Yeah, you get to choose in this one. <laughs> choose your own adventure game theory. Oh, boy. Um, I feel like I want um, like uh, that that True Detective, the, the latest season mm. of True Detective, <laughs> like those two guys. I especially liked, I forget what the character's name was, but the African-American guy. Gosh, I really enjoyed his disposition and how slow he was. Like, I feel like I could like, like I, I kind of have a slow, dry delivery like that, like kind of unfazed yeah. and stoic. And I feel like we would get along. So. And I just watched that and the threats he puts down on people if uh, they don't. Oh, oh yeah, that is. <laughs> I mean, I think I would laugh if he if he threw some of those threats at me. So anyway, that's that's what I'm going with. Who are you getting interrogated by? Oh gosh, you know, I I don't know. You I, haven't even thought. About this I, I should have. Yeah, I, you know, you're you're the performer. I, I I'm just prompting you to take us on this epic journey. <laughs> All right. You, well, you now you're stuck with Matlock because you you threw that out there. <laughs> yeah. and now you're stuck with it. Yeah. So we've got Matlock. Uh, Matlock's <laughs> talking to me, and then Mahersha Mahershala Ali's characters uh, talking to you. And who's going to break? So if neither of us talk, we're in good shape, right? Because we only have this small. Uh, small charge against us but uh with game theory we can anticipate what's actually going to happen um so are you going to talk i well i already know the research so i like know (laughs) i know what i'm supposed to do do let's see do i first off okay i'm gonna try to erase the things that i already know in my mind go back to pre-game theory shane (laughs) and uh and i'm also in a phase of my life where I'm robbing banks, so there's like this honor amongst thieves, yeah. snitches get stitches, that sort of thing. So I'm I'm gonna tough it out. I'm not talking, damn it. <laughs> okay, so you're just here to ruin my theory. <laughs> um, but I appreciate that. Um, so game theory suggests even though we'd both be better off not talking. I mean, on my I, I rat on my best friend. 
Jeff Shuliman, the Mariano Ingersolzels professor. Yeah, so you know, if it's a repeated game, and and game theory has looked at if it's a repeated game, then you might be able to get out of this prisoner's dilemma. But if it's a one shot game, you know, just like we we just met today, and we just go on the crime spree, we're not going to do this again and again. And so, in a one shot game. Even though we'd both be better off staying quiet, a, a, what's called an equilibrium is one such that neither person would want to deviate on their own. And so you would want to deviate because relative to us both getting, you know, maybe a year in jail or whatever it is for um, not talking, you deviate and you rat me out and you get off free. Mm-hmm. And so you would want to deviate and I know you'd want to deviate. And I also know that I would be better off deviating. And so we both end up in jail for all the, the crimes that we committed because we, we talk and rat out the other person. Um, so that's, that's game theory in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. I, by nutshell, I mean that was like a really long, long imaginary story we just pulled together uh, with fun. Matlock and uh, drug dealing and <laughs> bank robbing. Um, to my students at home, I'm doing none of those things. Um, <laughs> I, I, do you think, have to clarify. Do you, th- do you think that your students at home are sitting there listening like, I wonder if our professor yeah. is a drug dealing bank robber? Yeah, he, um, he did not condemn that strong, strongly enough. He seemed to like uh, what, she, what he was saying. The, uh, I mean, this what a what a good front for you though, as a as a marketing a professor a professor of marketing. Yeah. Who as a side, I mean, I feel like we're writing a whole movie. Yeah. Right now, um, so, call your agent. So let's, let's get this one sold. So so that's that's the very like bare bones basic. Yeah game theory and then but. and then we could start to apply that similarly to marketing problems and okay. so if you're a manager and you're selling something and you're selling the same so now let's say instead of us being criminals we're both marketing managers and we're selling uh, same thing in some people's minds the, oh, ouch <laughs> <laughs> um so you and I are com- competitive. <laughs> that was a good it, one. It, I it, it, instead, Very it, subtle. In, instead of instead of ripping off a, a <laughs> bank and uh, taking money from a bank that's insured and isn't affecting their lives in uh, any way, now we're fleecing. What are, maybe targeting seniors? They're gullible, right? Um, <laughs> with with our Ovaltine ads or something. So so we're patting ourselves on the back for being these fine upstanding citizens by selling seniors <laughs> pseudoscience. So um, <laughs> it seemed like after you made the really biting joke that we might be able to move on, but then you just no. had this look in your face that no, you're gonna keep <laughs> keep going on that. <laughs> we're creating fanciful storylines. Yeah, uh, I have to say, marketing in its own right is inherently good. Because what marketing is about is finding what do you need and how can I satisfy those needs better than anybody else. Right. And then companies take what you guys learn and and like you, like you guys, like behavioral economists and everything are like, hey, here's how you can, this can help guide your 
consumption behavior so that you find the right fit for you with a product. And then no one that doesn't listen to this podcast ever hears about any of that. And that, and you know, who hears about it is a couple like corporations have people that are up to date on the latest consumer research. And then they go, how can we reverse engineer all of these findings to dupe people out of their money? So there's a little bit of that as well. There's there might be bad marketers, just like there's bad podcasters and bad comedians. <laughs> hey, <come on laughs> Not now. you, but uh, there are people doing bad in, in sure. any sort of field. But but marketing in general, uh, marketing is inherently a good process where we're trying to find out what people need and satisfy those needs and wants better than the competition, uh, yeah. which makes us all better off. Um, and so... Um, but let's say we're selling something good, uh, not uh, so yeah, we're like good guys we're now. selling the Here We Are podcast to yeah. potential listeners, and uh, and we're we're selling a free education to people. That's right. Um, although that one doesn't work for our example, because in this example we're selling something Darn. that that we charge for, but it's exactly the same. So imagine we're both selling um, a book. A, a book. A book's going to be differentiated. You know, we economists, we always like to turn back to widgets because it doesn't mean anything. Um, <laughs> so, so for the moment, let's People stick with are, widgets. Okay. Uh, so we're both selling the same widget and we're trying to make a dollar, make some money off of it. Yeah. Game theory, just like the prisoner's dilemma, would predict that if you and I don't differentiate, if we don't offer something that is different in some way, that um, we're going to lower our prices until we don't make any money. Um, because just like as prisoners... I would rat you out because I'm better off, um, even though we'd both be better off if we didn't rat out each other. With prices, we're both going to keep undercutting each other um, because we know the other person will undercut us if we don't. Um, And so if you're marketing, uh, game theory would predict that if products are undifferentiated, they're not going to make any profit. Uh, And so the prescription for managers is make sure that you're different uh, from somebody in some way. Mm. So like you and I both have podcasts, but yours is funny. And mine is uh, funny and informative. And, and mine is um, really more informative and, and, and shares emotions of how people are reacting to the changes here in Seattle. Yeah, you talk about like homelessness and, yep. and these really big issues. Um, and so we're not in so, direct competition. So somebody right. else, somebody now, obviously your listeners, since you have a lot more than mine, would all love my podcast. Obviously. Um, Seattle Growth Podcast, available free on iTunes. Uh, but we're not in direct competition. As we try to get new people to listen to our podcast, you're probably targeting some different people than I would. And so we're not competing head-to-head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then similarly, uh, everything that we see being sold, their best bet is to try to be different in some way. Well, I mean, I do, not to disparage your widget making, but mine, my widgets are pretty much the best on the market i mean my, <laughs> my widgets are doing the best widgeting stuff <laughs> out there so i mean yeah I, I think you get what you pay for and that's why my prices are higher because the quality's higher yeah and so game theory uh, has done research to say you know how much would somebody want to invest in in making their widget better so how much would you pay to have a higher quality widget um if somebody already has a really high quality widget would you want to have uh, equally high quality? And the answer is no. Uh, you might actually make a worse widget on purpose, knowing that that'll help you earn a profit because you target different customers. And so game theory could address all sorts of problems with marketing, whether it's the prices we set, uh, the advertising we choose, the packaging on the bottle, um, how much should you pay for to return a product if you don't want to keep it. Uh, all, the, all sorts of marketing challenges can be addressed with game theory. And this is 
really not that like like on the base level prisoner's dilemma that you expressed the math involved is not overly complicated correct there i mean there are, uh, when you start talking about these repeated different situations and and putting in all of the variables that life and marketing and everything else has into yeah. the programs things start getting complicated but on the base level um is it is it the case that that a company can just go well let's just throw it in the this computer program and this determines our price for us and does all this are our companies actually using game theory to calculate many of their no price? so game theory is best at either predicting what's going to happen as the world has changed or is about to change or um, giving some pres- general guidelines, but not it doesn't spit out a number. Mm. So you won't take game theory and say, oh, I'm supposed to charge $7.85 because that's what Jeff's game theory model said. But rather, uh, it gives what, what we call qualitative insights in that it, it's a prescription to say, hey, if your competition is doing X, you need to be different. Um, and then there's lots of ways that you could choose to be different, but you're now motivated realizing that if I'm not different, I'm not going to be able to make a profit. And that's what the game theory model would show. Hmm. So similarly, I've got research with a, a PhD student that looks at, um, you know, what do we think is going to happen now that it's possible to personalize prices? So with uh, machine learning and, and all this wealth of data that companies are, are finding on us, they're figuring out, I could charge Shane a different price than they would charge Jeff. Um, so maybe they're, they're willing to pay different prices. Um, and they could kind of figure that out from all the data they have. Uh, we would think that the ability for them to charge us different prices would be good for them because they could kind of figure out you might want to pay less or more and, and I would charge, pay a different price and so they could charge it to both of us. Um, but we use a game theory model to say what happens when firms can or companies can charge personalized prices, prices to different people, different prices to different people for the same thing. Uh, what happens in that case when there's also network effects? And by network effects, I mean, I get more value out of the product if you also have it. So video games, do you play video games by any chance? Uh, I don't because I like them too much. Okay. So <laughs> I, I know myself. Self-restraint. And my life would be over if I played video games. Yeah. So uh, video games uh, are kind of a network good in that the more people who buy video, play, have a certain video game, the more fun I could have because I could play against them online. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing sadder than going into a, a room um, where you shoot people and there's nobody to shoot. That sounds yeah. pretty dark. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing sadder than not being able to shoot people uh, in video games uh, right. like Call of Duty and... Uh, Right. We might need to cut that part out. <laughs> I, th- I think people are on board with what uh, what you're saying. With what's happening in video games. Just okay. Fine. Yeah. But yeah, so we look at what would happen with... Uh, so you have these network effects and you have personalized prices. Um, and our research shows that actually being able to charge us different prices could be bad for the firms, bad for the companies. And um, in that sense, maybe they wouldn't want to invest so much in personalized pricing. Hmm. But something like the video game example, you're you're saying that, all right, I guess I'm a little confused about how personalized pricing works. So you're charging different customers a different price. Yeah. So let, let me give you some examples. Um, you know, Tinder tried, uh, from what I understand, Tinder tried charging different prices for different people based off of where they signed up, what age they were and 
uh, what gender and that kind of thing. Ah. And so as they collect more and more data about us, they have a better sense of, you know, how much are you willing to pay for Call of Duty? Whatever number they're up to now, how much am I willing to pay for Call of Duty? And now that they're also selling, you could do downloads, arguably they could charge me a different price than they would charge you mm-hmm. um, because they've learned, okay, you know, you're, you're trying not to play video games anymore. So maybe to rope you back in, we got to give you a, a discount, make it much cheaper for you than to me. I see. Yeah, I, I feel like oil prices are like this sometimes in, in certain regions. Like if you look at, um, if you go to like Mexico or something like that, oil prices are much cheaper. Yeah. Um, in, in certain regions, it's like, well, it must just be like, well, that's what they can afford to pay. So that's what we'll sell it yeah. to those people. And it seems like different states have, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not the best example because I imagine there's different regulatory processes and everything. But I, I was actually, oil's a good example of how do you, if, there's multiple oil companies. Oil is basically the exact same thing yeah how how does something like an oil company differentiate itself from o- other oil companies yeah in there is, is there game theory going on there where where like they're are they networking and agreeing upon a certain price with one another so that they're not undercutting one another and maximizing profits what well uh so there's research and marketing that you know it's not just what you buy but how you buy it that matters to you. And so you could see gas stations on opposite sides of the same street charging different prices. And it's not because they wink and nod and say, you get the the cheap price this week. Um, But because, you know, maybe there's more traffic going in one direction and it's easier to turn right. And so um, you, there was a gas station that changed the lighting and made it brighter. And so people wanted to go there because they felt safer at night. So there's lots of different ways that you can differentiate uh, even selling a commodity. Like if you look at salt, you know, people, and and I teach pricing, uh, I've taught pricing at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. I've, I've taught pricing for several years. And people say, oh, you know, commodities, you just take the price that the market gives you. And the fact is, no, there is no such thing as the market giving you a price, even salt. Go on Amazon right now and Google salt, and you'll see uh, dozens of different kinds of salt ranging in price uh, all over. So even what seems like the, the strictest commodity, people find a way to be different. And that all comes down to that prisoner's dilemma being applied in a marketing context of if you are not different, you are not making money. Hmm. What about... This might be unrelated to game theory in any way. What about the market price in restaurants? When I see that always drives me crazy. I'm like, they're just making up some number (laughs) and charging me accordingly. And if you're a sucker who's like willing to pay when something says market price and you're like, ooh, I want that thing. Yeah. Just like, well, we can charge this fool $60 or whatever. Uh, And and there is kind of uh, game theory research on you know, how much do you want to obfuscate prices? And so we could look at, uh, is it better to have everybody know exactly how much something charges, uh, how much something's going to cost? Uh, or is it better to have everybody know exactly how much it's going to cost? And, uh, you know, I've got a paper that shows we actually want some people to be informed and some people to not be informed. Mm. Um, and that's due to competitive reasons. And uh, so the market price is kind of like the what's behind door number three. And some people will rationally expect like you are, oh, they're just going to fleece me. And and other people say, oh, it's going to be fair. It's going to be based off of whatever the costs are today. Hmm. And that mix is actually better for them than if everybody 
either thought they were going to fleece him or knew exactly what the price was. Boy, whatever world someone's living in where they're like, maybe the market price thing on the menu is going to be my best bargain for this evening. I'm jealous of their rosy-colored lenses. Yeah, they've got a nice outlook on life. (laughs) Um, So what was that? Refresh me. The very last thing that you were saying, you said you had a paper that was about, oh, 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 this is what I was going to ask you. So Tinder uses, we'll use Tinder, for example, uses different prices for different people. Well, if people know that, doesn't that piss off customers? If if I'm, if I'm, I've I've never gone on, I'm a single man now. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try out Tinder for my first time. I would be upset if I found out that a buddy of mine was paying half the price I was for Tinder. Uh, yeah, so Tinder no longer does it, so maybe that okay. wasn't the best example that I, that I pulled up well, on the well, fly, some, but they did it something some, like that. To, so, so some, yeah, let's call it the widget dating app. Yeah, um, uses this variable price scheme. Yep, yep, and you know, uh, as I teach in pricing at the Foster School of Business, the best business school in the <laughs> Northwest. Um, you know, people, you are right. People do perceive unfairness when there's different prices for what seems to be the same thing. Uh-huh. And so to mitigate that perceptions of fairness, you want to differentiate it in some way. Um, just like you said, you know that gas is going to be different in one state versus another. Um, so they could argue that there's some differences in serving that state. Um, so it is a challenge when you get the exact same thing and pay a different price. And so they want to either not let you know that um, or to make those purchase occasions seem different in some way. Um, so you can make it different by, you know, you change the price at night versus during the day. Uh, you change the price on the weekend when certain people are shopping versus during the week. Um, and so there's, you know, we see different prices for the same thing though all over. And I think there's more and more acceptance of it as we move forward. So historically people might be upset. In fact, Amazon, there was a big backlash when they were changing their prices years ago. Um, and the, but we see it now more and more, like if you go to a baseball game while you're here in Seattle, the Mariners use dynamic pricing. So as they match supply and demand, they're changing their tickets, um, from day to day as their record gets better or worse, as the weather's getting better or worse, their opponents look better or worse. Um, so we're getting more and more used to dynamic pricing and different prices to different people. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I get dynamic pricing in terms of a baseball ticket and how well a team's doing and stuff, but I, I still, I, I think that people finding out that they're, you know, if if you and I both go on the same widget dating app right now and sign up and one is $15 and one is $10, one of us is going to be upset. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, but, you know, even grocery stores are, are experimenting with this and considering this as they're getting more and more data as to how people are buying. Um, so there's there's different ways. Personalized coupons. You've seen, you know, that annoying box that says enter a promo code. And you're like, ah, if only I had the promo code. Who's got the promo code? Um, so there's, there's ways that it's being done that without upsetting people as mm. much. Uh, uh, ways that are not upsetting people to the point where they don't buy it anymore, even though they they still value it. Hmm. I, I mean, to me, so so say I'm going to a grocery store 
and I'm charged some price because like based on my income or something. And then someone with a lower income is charged less or, or gets more coupons and promo codes. I'm still like, but if you're making money off of that person, it's upsetting me that you're making that much more money off of yeah. off of me. I don't know. It seems like there'd be more backlash than there is, but I, I guess as long as as long as you're finding interesting ways of doing it. I, I mean, I think like ultimately what you're saying is people are finding clever ways of doing it. That's like ultimately masking yeah. that, that they're doing this. In yeah. To some degree. Pricing. And then the good news is for you is that in our game theory model, that even if um, you take out what, what we do is we uh, take the world, we translate it to math and we solve the math problem. And then, um, and interpret what that means for what the world is going to be or should be. And so there are some, we call abstractions from reality. So we, we can't put the whole world into a math problem. We only take some certain elements of it and we have to kind of make some assumptions that may not match to reality perfectly, but it won't affect where the insights on the back end uh, make prescriptions for reality. So in this case, the fairness concerns that, that you raise, um, we don't have that in our model, but even without that concern, we still find that personalization is not as good as you might think. So even if you could get away and, and get around these fairness concerns, um, f- firms of selling network goods, goods like the video games, that the more people have it, the more valuable it is, uh, they should not use personalized pricing even as the technology becomes available. Hmm. So how does, I'm trying to remember the, just like the, the reoccurring um, is it called like a, a reoccurring game? A repeated game. A repeated game. How does that influence how game theory plays out in a marketplace where I imagine there are some products that people are buying once, twice in a lifetime or something, or this is a one-off yeah. uh, situation, or, or certainly you go to like a... Um, tourist trap or something like right. that but, right. you know you're you're maybe buying a little souvenir and then probably n- they're never going to see you again yeah whereas your local grocery store or a myriad of other uh, many of our products have these uh, repeated transactions yeah how does that change how game theory plays out yeah good question so again with game theory we're translating the world to a solvable math problem and interpreting what that math means uh, for predicting what's going to happen in the future. And a lot of the models will approximate, even even though we're kind of in a repeated world, um, sometimes that doesn't matter. So that won't actually play a role in what we call the equilibrium, what, what's going to happen. Um, but in cases where it does, then you uh, you just set up the model so that it repeats and so that there's you have a dynamic game and you solve for what's going to happen over time. Um, and so a lot of the models can approximate a repeated game with a single game. And then other times that the fact that it repeats will affect the behavior like it does in the prisoner's dilemma example. And, and also in the pricing example, because in prisoner's dilemma, when it repeats, your best strategy is to cooperate over and over again. It's to, yeah, you could have a strategy where you say, I'm going to cooperate until, uh, the other person doesn't. And then I'm going to punish them severely. And as long as that punishment outweighs the the value they would get from cheating uh, that one time, then you could sustain the the long term equilibrium of not talking. 
And then what about uh, what about like a signal error? Something something happens when um, I, uh, the uh, the true detectives come in to yeah. interrogate me, and they're they're going. Shuleman uh, <laughs> ratted on you, yeah. and uh, and that's what, and uh, you know he told us everything, and but you didn't. I I got some bad information, and then I go back and in, in the next game, and I to punish you back. I I yeah tell on you, and then and then you uh, from your point of view, this was me attacking you or turning on you because you never did that in the first place you don't know that i got bad information yep and now you're punishing me and and then there's no yeah uh, there's no end to it all, all based on uh, this little bit of an error in in yeah. information which i imagine happens all of the time in a exceptionally complex world yeah so you could again try to model that and say bring into the 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 model of, you know, what happens if there's an exogenous shock uh, that even though they didn't break, uh, there was a perception that they did. Uh, and so, what you, was that term? Uh, oh, sorry, exogenous. Um, Exo- yeah, exogenous I, I went into geek speak there. Sorry. No, that's well. I love learning a new yeah. term. What's so, that? in game theory and the models, we have what are called endogenous to the model, and endogenous means that we are. Um, allowing the players to, to make the choice. And then there's exogenous, which is outside of their control, and it okay. c- it's kind of imposed upon them. I see. And so an exogenous shock, meaning you didn't do anything, it wasn't in your choice, but nature decided that it's going to create the perception that you, you broke. I see. Um, what would the players do in that case? I see. Hmm. Yeah. And, and how do things like that play out in the marketplace? Uh, so there's a concept, what's called trembling hand, perfect equilibrium, uh, which is kind of uh, almost exactly what you're, you're looking at. Like what happens if there's a small perturbation, a small, uh, change in, in what's, in what's happening, will the equilibrium still hold or does it unravel? Um, and so there's a, it's various equilibrium concepts and various ways that we could take the whole complexity of the world and, um, see what matters and what doesn't as we solve models. Hmm. um where do you go from there (laughs) yeah i i mean how how sophisticated are these models now becoming with with like with big data and artificial intelligence and all of this kind of taking off are these models becoming um more complex than even a lot of times that we're understanding or so we have to disentangle between two things so there's kind of a thing called um agent-based modeling and that takes game theory and gets it super complicated uh like brings in a whole bunch of complexities and runs simulations and says what's going to be the pattern and the outcome over time Mm -hmm. Uh, so agent-based modeling is more kind of what you're talking about with all, if we try to describe all the agents as perfectly as we can, what what's going to happen? And what I do is actually quite the opposite. Uh, in game theory, I try to simplify as much as possible. I see. Try to bring things down, you know, filter out as much of the noise as possible, and say what's one or two key insights that I can give a manager that they could react to this chaotic world. Um, so it's not 
okay, to bring in everything and I'm going to tell you to change your price to $6.99 and then down to $6.84 and then down to 6 and then back up. And that's the best equilibrium strategy. I'm more saying, um, look, you can now personalize your prices, but here is one problem that's going to happen. Uh, whereas before, if I saw a lower price, I knew that that meant not only was I going to get a lower price, but you were going to get a lower price. So I was going to get more value out of it, not just because I was paying less, but because you were more likely to also be on Call of Duty with me. Um, and so that that's where the world was. And then once you go to personalized prices, if I see a lower price, I have no idea if you're actually going to be more likely to pay, play Call of Duty with me because you might be getting a higher price instead. And so that's kind of the insight that I could draw is that my beliefs about what the other person's going to do change. And therefore, my purchase likelihood changes in a way that could be worse for the company in a way that they wouldn't have expected. Hmm. So how how variable are these different strategies depending on the type of company and the products themselves? Uh, you, you mentioned, what was it, network? Um, network what, effects, network yeah. effects, because not everything has that. Yeah. Um, what are, to overly simplify, what are some of the kind of broad categories yeah. of products that, you, that you're considering? And so again, just as you said, uh, we're looking more broad. We're looking broadly, and we are trying again um, parsimoniously. That's the big word of the day for you. So parsimoniously is just trying to simplify it, uh, solvable. I, I like the other one more. Par- exogenous, exogenous shock. Okay, <laughs> that's going to be my go-to. Is that I'm your go-to? Try to like work that into a conversation. Yeah, yeah. parsimonious is nice and everything, but but uh, exogenous shock. That one yeah, did it. That's a, yeah. Okay, good to know. I'm going <laughs> to store that one. So we make incremental advancements. So we'll, we'll have one model that will consider what does network effects do. And that's what my model does. And we might have another model that says, okay, uh, Shane says fairness is a real big issue. What happens to fairness and how does that affect it? And if, um, and so for me, we look at network effects and say, if it's a strong network effect, then personalization is worse. And if it's a weak network effect, uh, in the sense that I kind of want you to be able to play Call of Duty, but I don't really care, I'll still have fun uh, on my own. And so then in that case, personalization becomes more attractive. Hmm. So the network ex- network effect itself, the more powerful the presence of other people owning the same product, the how much to what degree that affects my value, um, that that relationship affects the profitability of personalized pricing. So are these tools that any um, any business in the world would potentially benefit from? Um, utilizing, like my dad has his own business making countertops. I'm a I'm a stand-up comedian at Travels. Or, you know, there's there's listeners listening right now that that maybe have never heard of game theory before. They're like, I have a business. Yeah, maybe I maybe I need to get this fancy game theory stuff <laughs> it, it, uh, <laughs> into um, yeah. you know how I how I analyze my pricing or marketing or whatnot. What, what is, uh, what's kind of the first step when, when someone like, say someone uh, came to you and they have a business and they're like, how do I use this game theory stuff to help improve my my business? So, uh, first thing I would say is kind of game theory is, is interesting in the sense that, uh, in its current state, it almost needs a translator. In the sense that the game theorists like myself 
we'll sit and we will work on a math problem. We'll, we'll work on translating the world to math and then translating what that means to, to managers. Um, and so it's a, a process where then you could say, okay, Jeff or uh, Amir is another game theorist or Amin Sayedi, you know, what should I do when it comes to this certain situation? And there'll be an expert. My expertise is in um, hidden pricing and uh, product returns. Amin Sayedi's expertise is in online bidding uh, for advertising. And there will be a series of lessons that these models teach managers that you don't need to learn game theory to appreciate. So we could give you these these bite-sized lessons. Like I just said, if there's a high network effect, price personalization is not good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a long-winded way of saying, like the game theory research that I do, we're developing nice uh, packageable takeaways that we could share and guide how people uh, behave. If you're at home and wondering, should I pick it up or can I learn something from, from Jeff on my own without reading the research? Um, a thought process that I'd recommend is just, simply putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. So if you're selling a, a podcast and you're wondering, ah, that's a bad example, but uh, if you're a business owner and you're wondering what should you do, think about what your competition will do. Uh, how will they react to what you're going uh, to your decision? And then how would you react based off of how they would react? Um, mm. And so it's more of like a thought process of if you don't want to get the formal training and translating the world to math and solving that math problem, at least try to think like a game theorist in the sense of, do I have incentive to change? Do they have incentive to change? And, and where are we going to end up? Hmm. That um, makes sense. Yeah, that was that got a little wordy. Um, no, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, thinking of it, um, I mean, it just sounds like chess a little bit, having to think a few moves ahead and, exactly. and anticipate opponents' reactions to your actions and then what actions you'll take after that, those predicted actions. I need you in my classroom because that was a much better, <laughs> much more succinct way to you say what I was trying to say. You never thought of the chess, chess. metaphor before? I, you well, know, you put a mic right. in front of me, my, half my brain turns off <laughs> as I'm wondering what I'm saying uh, for thousands upon uh, thousands of people to hear at home. It's, um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, well, maybe it's, uh, uh, you know... Uh, some some of that ex- ex- uh, exogenous the, exogenous shock oh my god see <laughs> there i just that i used your strategy i just made myself sound dumber <laughs> just there, for me so to cool you, me down it, yeah it's just chess game theory is chess play chess uh yeah all right so do you ever use game theory in in your regular life does it does it influence how you perceive the world does it ever influence how you're like your various like relationships or anything like that Uh, like uh, because i i do think about exogenous shocks i I think about signal errors all the time i think a lot of times that plays into a lot of our relationships in life Romantic relationships, yep. business relationships, when I'm like emailing clubs and someone doesn't get back to me being like, well, maybe they're just behind on their emails. I shouldn't take this personally and, yep. and send them like a what the fuck email or whatever. <laughs> like, why haven't you respond? Because they maybe they did respond and it didn't come through. You know, there could yeah. be this, these myriad of, of, of like alternative explanations for why something happened that I'm, you know, perceiving as like some slight against me or something yeah. like that. And I'd say that I, I apply that all ever since I, I heard, you know, in, 
in some of these models that the uh, uh, because as you said the tit for tat strategy yep. works really well if, okay someone turns on you yep. and then you turn on them to punish them and then but cooperation until then is a is a good strategy yeah um, in these especially in these these reoccurring um, repeated games um, that much many of us live in all the time but but, but once I heard that about like these, exogenous shocks <laughs> yeah. and and the uh and this idea of like tit for tat with forgiveness yeah we're bearing out well and in, in some of these mathematical models yep it has it, it made me a little more mindful nice. of like is this just a signal error yeah right now and i feel like that's as I was about to say, uh, I feel like that's really helped my relationships as I just went through a breakup. So who knows? Um, (laughs) But uh, but have you, is there anything from any of your work that you've implemented in like unexpected ways in your personal life? And you don't have to answer this because it's not, you know, this isn't meant meant to be about your personal life or whatever. I'm just just curious. Um, Always start meetings on time. Always start meeting us on time. Yeah. So um, think about uh, so in game theory, there's kind of the belief structure matters, and as I said, what somebody believes will affect their behavior, and we want an equilibrium where nobody has incentive to deviate. If uh, if I think that you're going to be late for a meeting, then my response, best response, is to be late as well. Right. Um, so I wouldn't want to start on time. So if I think you're going to be late, I'm going to be late. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think I'm going to be late, then you're going to be late. Right, right, and right. And so right. we have incentive to just keep right. being really this late. Is, this is a, with my stand-up science show. It's a tricky predicament because it's, it is a reoccurring, you know, hopefully in cities like Seattle and other cool cities where there's great academics around and... Uh, cool audiences and just anyway good cities for it i'm hoping to bring it through on like even a quarterly basis make it a somewhat regular show and there is you know on on a one time event there's a lot of um incentive to uh to wait and start the show like 15 minutes late yeah people are still coming in the door and yeah. everything else and and but most of the people arrived on time nice and, and we're there you know and 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 he kind of like it, i'm hosting the show and yeah you know i want everyone to see my opening thing and so yeah. uh, or it might screw up the show and so you know like oh, i should wait till everyone's settled in yep. and it can be distracted but then you train the audience. Then, yeah. then they know for the next time. Well, the show actually doesn't start. It says eight, but it actually doesn't yeah. start till eight fifteen. Now people are showing up at eight thirty, and it's this you know runaway. Yeah, uh, it's a slippery slope kind of kind of effect. So that's and so if it's a repeated game, and you could uh, impose a, a penalty, so there's a cost to being late, which is you miss the beginning of the meeting, and we don't go back and say, "Hey, you came late, so we're gonna yeah. repeat everything," because then you've just wasted everybody else's time. They're gonna say, "Well, if I'm just gonna get a repeat uh, of what I missed, I'm just gonna show up ten minutes late." And so you've got to impose some sort of cost of being late, otherwise. Uh, the beliefs become mock them publicly uh, yeah well <laughs> that's one way to do it yeah um 
but so that's just one way that game theory pan, pans out in my life in that I see. Uh, you got to be on time and, and try to set that expectation in the repeated game. I mean, are you saying this because I was five minutes late? I, I'm, I, I was I, hoping I, 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 a, a subtle way you, to say, come on, man. To get an <laughs> out of me. Yeah. Well, we're still going to be, I, I have built into my time frame a buffer, so we're still ending on time. And this um, isn't a repeated game, unless I'm good. Is, I don't know. If, yeah, yeah. if the audience all likes this episode, then maybe it'll be a repeated game and you'll be on time next time. Uh, yeah, or you'll be late because I was. That's right. We don't um, know. That's true. Gosh, I, I really have thrown off this equilibrium with an exogenous uh, shock of uh, <laughs> whatever brought you here late. All right. So I have. Uh, I want two things from you before we wrap up. Yeah. Uh, I have my guests each week plug a uh, charity of their choice. I hope I told you that ahead of time. Did I? You did not, but that's okay. Oh my gosh! Oh, I just dropped ex- <laughs> exogenous shock. Exogenous shock. I, I just uh, okay. Well, I'm sorry that usually that's in my email. That's but okay. I, uh, okay, Whew, you have one. Well, also, if you need to buy yourself some time, my other thing that I want from you is to share one more time just a little bit about yeah, about your podcast let's get the good plugs in for you um you you mentioned it we know it's free on itunes and everything but i saw that you kind of it seems like you break it down by season and you kind of have like yep. looks like sort of running themes yeah. through a season so talk about that a little bit um in any order you want to do that all right let's start with the charity it's not really a charity but it's a nonprofit. Uh, the ymca um you know, we live in divisive times, it seems, and uh, they've been very generous here, at least locally. Uh, I've been organizing events where we are trying to bring diverse people together for the common good, and they've opened up their doors to let us, you know, make cards for refugees, for veterans, for um, uh, children's at, p- patients at Children's Hospital. So they've been uh, a great force in helping the community of, of diverse uh, backgrounds come together and, and try to do something positive and, and show that, you know, we're not as divided as we think. So YMCA, uh, a great community gathering space, and we need more and more opportunities for people uh, of different backgrounds to come together in these times. That's terrific. Um, you have that ready to go. I, you know, it, it, uh, if it's real, it just comes from the heart. You don't need Oof. to prepare. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then plugs. Oh, man, uh, there's too much to plug. I'm a, a man of many hats, but the Seattle Growth Podcast. Plug uh, everything that you want. I'm, I'm in no I'm in no rush. Oh, okay. You, you, oh, you just you, cooled you plug it away. Yeah. yeah. So, well, um, Seattle Growth Podcast uh, is a tale of, you know, what happens as a city grows dramatically. And so you might be experiencing that growth in Denver, in New York, in Portland, Austin. All over the country. Asheville, all the cool places. If you're in a cool place, people are probably flocking to the cool place that you live in. And it's changing very rapidly, like Seattle is. That's right. And Seattle has been grappling with these challenges uh, since roughly 2012 is when we really started taking off. And you get to hear from... You know, uh, Grammy-nominated, platinum-selling musicians like Jason Finn from the President of the United States of America. Um, Ooh, what was their songs again? Uh, moving to the country, oh, gonna eat yeah. a lot of peaches. Yeah, the peaches song. <laughs> and I don't sing on my podcast, so don't worry about that happening again. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a, that was just for us. That was just, just for a you. Little special yeah, treat. Yeah, special oh. treat. I don't talk about game theory on my podcast either, so that was also just for you. Okay. Um, but yeah. Uh, 
artists like Dave B, who was on the corner store with Macklemore, Hollis Wongware. So I had a whole season dedicated to music, and oh, cool. you could learn about a great, thriving music city here. Um, had a season dedicated to sports. So if you're wondering what basketball and what, what a return of the NBA would mean to Seattle and what basketball might mean to your community, interviewed Detlef Schrempf, uh, Hall of Famer Lenny Wilkins, um, GM of the, former GM of the Sonics, Wally Walker. So just fun Very things cool. there. Um, then we got city See, planners. You, I mean, you've had already just these are much bigger celebrities than I've ever had on. Well, you've got me. My, yeah, yeah, I have you. So <laughs> I am I'm, I'm one degree of separation to Detlef Shrimp. Are, are you saying that I'm not as cool or as famous as Detlef Shrimp? Is that uh, what yeah. You? Okay, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I want to butcher Detlef Shrimp's uh, <laughs> name and title. Uh, yeah, uh, I did not. Podcast. I, I did have to try to play it cool. I was like, I played NBA Jam with you, not like with you uh, holding a controller, but you're on the game dunking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, so I was pretty starstruck there. Um, but it's uh, been a great excuse for me to just meet all sorts of interesting people in the city. Yeah. And it could be a chance for your listeners to just hear about one of one cool city and, and also relate to the growing pains and how people are feeling about it. Um, with that, after the doc- after that, I did a documentary. Um, yeah. So I've produced a documentary. Oh, I just have my own documentary come out in March. Oh, Psychonautics, a comics exploration of psychedelics. Available on iTunes and Amazon and PlayStation and Xbox and Google Play and all sorts of places. Let's talk about your documentary. Sorry, now I'm intrigued by yours first. Mine's on the brink, onthebrinkmovie.com. Far easier to spell and to find online than what you just said. Oh, yeah. People are having <laughs> all sorts of... It's a nightmare. <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare trying to type out psychonautics and yeah. have it come up. How do you spell psychonautics? Do, do please um, tell. P-S-Y-C-H... O N A U T I C S. Okay. I nailed it. <laughs> I think, ding, I, ding, think ding. I just nailed it. So, psychonautics and then keep going? A comics exploration of psychedelics. That's like the little like subtitle. Okay. Sort of thing. And so, when is this available to people? You said March? <laughs> it, it already came out. Oh, it yeah, came out yeah, in March. It came out in March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's on, you, you distributed it online and everything? <laughs> People are going to think I'm paying you to ask me these questions. Yeah, it's, it's on uh, iTunes and Amazon and Google Play. Okay. How'd you make it? Um, well, we, so, so someone reached out to me, heard me talking about um, my, to, at the, I, I do various themed shows. And one of the themed shows I was doing at the time was uh, a show about, psychedelics and psychedelic research going on and it was called a good trip and i did a 111 city tour with it and it was kind of like it got it got me a fair amount of press and and some attention on pod bigger podcasts and that sort of thing and so so uh a guy that uh, matt schuler who makes a lot of comedy specials and stuff had always wanted to do something outside of that and got a hold of me and we chatted about making a documentary about something didn't know what for as far as i knew at the time it was going to be a documentary about game theory who knew <laughs> uh, we were going to do something science-based but I, at the exact same time like one month from the time that we decided we were going to like pursue something i was um going to be uh, performing and participating in 
the uh, psychedelic science conference, which is the biggest like psychedelic science research conference in the world. It happens once every four years. So it was just this opportunity to interview all of like the top researchers. So we turned my hotel room there into a studio and just had like all of the top psychedelic researchers one after another over those three or four days, uh, just for four days straight, just 30 minutes at a time getting a bunch of like, you know, quips and stuff from them and getting their takes on, on what their work is and, and all of that. So that, that was, that was the initial start of it. And then we just filmed me doing a bunch of drugs after that. And so it was, <laughs> it was an interesting process uh, and it came out really well, but uh, uh, enough about me. Well, one last question I'm putting on my reverse podcast hat. Cause I always talk, ask questions yeah. instead of talking. So if somebody cannot spell psychonautics and psychedelics, can they find it on shanemoss.com? Uh, they, cer- <laughs> they certainly <laughs> can. You're, you're too much right now. Absolutely. They go to Shane, M-A-U-S-S. That's good. Yeah, spell com. that. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Well, that sounds interesting. So we're both get podcasters. Your, okay, get your plugs out there. What you, uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, so you, it's a, a story. It's on the brink. It's a story of history of hope and determination. Um, it's about a, a once thriving community here in Seattle on the brink of vanishing forever uh, with the history could be lost. And if you've ever seen, you know, buildings that looked run down and, and seen them torn down and put new shiny buildings and you thought, that's great, this is progress. And you're wondering why people are, are you know, some people are upset. Uh, this is a chance for you to see um you know, the other side of gentrification, mm-hmm. people who are seeing their homes uh, torn apart, their community torn apart, and uh, places that they loved and that brought them together uh, change. And with that, the, the sense of, of loss and tragedy. Um, and then, of course, it's a, a story of hope and determination. So after you've seen a community and the change that the place that you've loved change so dramatically, what do you do now? So if you've ever raised those questions, if you've ever wondered what people are thinking as what you th- see as progress, um, see the other side of it. And if you've ever felt kind of lost or alone as your city's changed, it's a documentary where you could say, you know, what do I do now and how do I how do I move forward? On the brink movie.com. And if you're having trouble remembering that, there is a fantastic board game called Pandemic, and one of the expansions for it is called On the Brink. If that helps you remember anyway, <laughs> probably won't. Yeah. But where's it where's the documentary available? Uh, so right now it, it's, we're going to do a red carpet premiere at the Langston Hughes Performing Arts Institute, uh, and we're showing at a couple theaters here in Seattle. Um, the trailer is available online, but it won't be home uh, ready for out home viewing, uh, until the fall. Uh, we're trying to do theatrical runs. So if you, if you are a film distributor listening, come talk. Cool. Are, are you trying to apply to some festivals and stuff? You know, f- the festival scene didn't work out. Okay. Uh, but we're making our own magic. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've yep. got a few showings here in Seattle coming up uh, June 25th, and then we're going to be at a, a museum in October. Yeah. And uh, we're trying I to make just magic. Went, I went through all of that process myself, Yeah, and there's so much uh, criteria and all of those. Uh, Did you get into so a film festival? I got into a few. Which ones? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whistler. Oh, wow. And, um, and Dances with Films okay. in L.A., uh, there was a couple others that that were like uh, we didn't really didn't make sense for us to go to, but we didn't get into any like the big ones that, yeah. that we were hoping to, and you know that can be a disappointing yeah uh, uh, 
frustrating, heartbreaking process and everything. Yeah. Know, thinking you're like going to be a perfect fit for like South by Southwest. I was convinced. Like yeah, Tribeca's calling. And, They've got gentrification uh, in New York. Why yeah, wouldn't they want me? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, but, but it's, it was, um, uh, th- there's still lots of, you know, all, all of these, documentaries are taking off and are so big right now that uh, yeah. I think that there's there's ways of of people finding them in the in kind of the independent route that's what I'm definitely hoping and it seems like I've been yeah catching a little you know I, there's there's so many different factors in my case um most people were really averse to saying anything like drug positive mm. and then also at the same time I'm a comedian, and so like it, it's not like as serious as some of the other things. In your case, uh, you know, there's there's so many other factors to, uh, you know, it's it's hard. Welcome to the entertainment yeah, that's business, right. my friend. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it is a real cutthroat out there. Yeah. It's really hard to know what's going to break through. Yeah. And isn't and yeah. So so I I hope uh, it you know I. I at least hope that if you're happy with how how the finished product came out, that uh, listeners to this podcast are going to yeah. see it and check it out. And, and uh, we're pleased with how things have gone. Uh, the Seattle Times wrote an article about it, and King Five is going to have us uh, on the local uh, news morning show. So it's resonating with people, just not film festivals, but it's resonating with people. And it's, um, the, the podcast and the movie are just my way. You know, we're in this kind of seemingly scary and divisive times and it's just my way uh to try to bring constructive conversation build empathy and remind people of hope and that you know we we make our own future and so even if just one of your listeners watches the movie and says you know what i could do one little thing uh, to build my own future then it'll have been a success so yeah uh, yeah awesome well um i I will tell you the film festivals i got even though we got to say like we won a thing for best documentary at the Dances with Films Festival, this thing that you've never heard of before. Uh, and it's a nice little crowd, and people are like, ooh, this won a thing at a thing we've never heard of. Um, <laughs> you know, that's nice to put on things, I yeah. guess. Um, but ultimately, like, even getting in, it was like a little bit of a waste of money and time <laughs> and everything else stuff that would have been better utilized yeah uh, just just in other ways and and just getting there's a lot of ways to get the word out there yeah and festivals are like a, oh it's cool to like get a critical review from I, I yeah don't know, but I'd imagine yeah, your fans I, I don't care if it's a, in a film festival. No. They can go to ShaneMoss.com yeah, and download not, it. I don't know. I don't know how much it ultimately matters. Unless you're like getting into Sundance and winning right. some award there or something like that. I don't think that stuff matters too much yeah. ultimately. Most people are at home streaming stuff. Yeah. Whatever anyway. And uh so anyway, all of that is who knows. That's that's my own bias from uh Yeah. Well thank <laughs> you for sharing because we just got the sad news that we didn't get into the Seattle International Film Festival, which uh, which shocked us but yeah. uh, inspired us to keep going and we are getting a lot of a lot of good opportunities. Well, instead. I'm sorry to bring up a sore spot, but but <laughs> yeah. uh, but but definitely there's there's a lot of hope out there for more people to stream it on their own. Yeah. So thank you. Well, awesome, Jeff. Thank you for joining my Shulman. 
Yes, there you go, Jeff Shulman. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll say it correctly Thank you. In, the, in the last closing as I had to make light of my own mistake all throughout. But uh, you are a wonderful guest, and I really appreciate you finding time to come on the show, and good luck to you with all of your projects, and uh, thanks for what you do with your academic research. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. And thank you, listeners, for being such wonderful, curious people. We'll talk with you more next week. Next week on the Here We Are podcast, I'm talking with Kira Shabram at the Foster School of Business at the University of Washington talking about meaningful work. One of those topics that I absolutely should be having more episodes about we've had some in the past but just like what what drives us what what makes us more fulfilled in our careers and our occupations and our workplace those sorts of things something that affects just absolutely everybody i like talking about insect genitalia and weird stuff like that that the average person doesn't necessarily think about or enjoy thinking about i i love it but some of these um more kind of general things that that affect the everyday life of of basically every human on this planet are perhaps some of my most important episodes so make sure and and tune in for that and i've gotten so far ahead in the here we are podcast that i'm already the one coming out next week was recorded in seattle last time i was through a few months ago i'm already heading there on my way back i'll be going at the end of august uh, just after my trip to europe going to doing this port elliot festival guys i don't get to do festivals very often and it's been a little while and it's always just like oh my gosh it's it's like i'm i'm jealous of me um when i get to be at these festivals uh, <laughs> like uh i i can't believe that i've found um it, you know because a, a lot of a lot of my everyday life is just grinding it out um, and a lot of pain in the butt stuff and really fulfilling stuff, the types of things that we're going to be talking about next week. And, you know, not anywhere near as glamorous. I, I don't, you know, sometimes it's funny because sometimes people will be like, oh, you're a comedian. Are you doing okay? Are you making it? And, uh, and then other people are like, uh, just assuming you're you're being chauffeured around in in like a Lamborghini stretch SUVs or something like that like every comedian is being chauffeured around to the local chuckle hut in uh in some extravagant as as the helpers uh towel you off from the hot tub you've been rolling around in and in um in your transportation and uh the answer is uh, uh, most of our lives are a little closer to the are you okay uh spectrum of things but then i get to do these festivals like this where man i hope if any of you are out there send me a message on facebook or twitter or something like that or or reach out through the here we are podcast.com um contact because Usually, a lot of my things I gotta I gotta spend. You know, I drive to a gig, I set up for for two hours before the show. I do the show. I gotta do paperwork and stuff. I get paid, pack up all my crap. And it's like a it's like a six hour thing just the show alone. Not to mention, um, you know, trying to prep for a show, driving to the show. 
um, and and the myriad of other emails and things like that that come along with um, putting together shows and getting guests and everything else. So uh, a lot a lot of my life is is um, mostly a grind. You know, I try to make it a fun grind and everything else, but these festivals I you know I get a chance to actually like hang out a little bit and enjoy things and I'm happy to um, in a new country a new area so Zora Fest outside of Budapest man you guys should look into it it looks like a wild cool ass event that I'm gonna get to uh, be a part of and I'm and I'm being uh, brought there to like just talk about consciousness and stuff (laughs) oh what a weird life I have um so yeah super grateful when i get to do things like that and also an opportunity to hang out with with you guys a little bit more if you get a hold of me or if you show up and and say hi tell let me know you're one of my favorites one of the people that listens all the way to the end that's how i know you're one of us and uh and uh maybe we can hang out a little more i'm also doing a festival like this seattle bumber shoot i'm doing um, the stand-up science show in Bumbershoot, as well as I think I'm doing the Good Trip show as well there. Maybe just regular stand-up. I know I'm doing like two main spots, maybe a couple other spots around. But um, you know, I never get to go to festivals uh, like this, and it's and it's been a while, and so um, that's a fun. You know, when I used to drink, I would hang out with with um, fans or whoever after the show, and uh, and hang out and have conversations and get to know you guys and everything else and and since i don't drink anymore i do much less of that and i'm much more of a businessman these days and so these festivals will be a little more of an opportunity for me to um to hang out so if you happen to be at one of those reach out to me maybe we'll we'll have a chance to um to say hi and go and check out some other event together or something like that who knows or maybe you're weird you might be weird and it might be awkward that's a it's a possibility but i've met a bunch of you listeners and you're usually pretty top-notch people and uh that's why i'm uh i'm happy to put myself uh, out there and and meet more of you because you're typically cool folks so yeah, if you happen to be at any of those festivals, that would be super cool. But make sure and check out the the Here We Are podcast. I have another, like I'm doing the Red Clay um, Comedy Festival in Atlanta coming out. And uh, I was meaning to say, make sure and check out my schedule, ShaneMossMAUSS.com. Putting together a whole tour, starting in Michigan and looping through kind of the East Coast down to Atlanta for October. And then the plan is kind of heading straight north up through the Midwest and through Chicago through much of October into November. And then um, working on my November schedule uh, at the moment. Might be making a quick stop through the East Coast. Might be sticking around kind of the Wisconsin, um, Minneapolis michigan area um around that time and doing shows still figuring that out gonna go from um there down make my way to arizona for around christmas time um and then for some shows and then heading straight there uh cutting across through the south driving through all this cutting across through the south going down to Florida and Miami. These are the rough sketches of ideas of 
future places that I've been going. And I say this all because um, you guys might be like, ooh, I'm in a region like that. And you might have um, some potential ideas for venues around 150 seats or so. Make sure and let me know. I actually got some pretty good um, fan feedback and venue suggestions from you guys uh, in the past. So um, that's this is a whole lot to put together and I'm always looking for new venue suggestions. And uh, and then figuring out the rest from there. But we're going to be adding dates, especially over the last the next month or so, hoping to have um, much of the fall schedule and even a good portion of the winter schedule, um, or, or at least the outline and skeleton of it um, complete by uh, by the end of August or so. So so keep checking back, and and it definitely helps to um, sign up for my email list you have your zip code on there so you only get an email from me when i am through your area and bringing stand-up science or another one of my shows through working on some other shows too but stand-up science is my other my main thing right now and it's uh the thing that i'm really excited about and it's going really well and um just so fun and unpredictable and different every show and it's just man it just has me so active and i'm really operating on such a high level even though i haven't been exercising much the last week or so man can i tell the difference and just like a dip of activity not eating quite as well just not firing on as many cylinders that sort of thing what a difference it's actually good a good reminder of how um important that stuff is for me to like feel a little bit down here and there or not have it the same energy levels that i that i have been having um uh, through through kind of spring and summer um so regarding that i wanted to say um because someone i've been back in the midwest and i've just been seeing the kind of drinking that I was raised around and in and what the what the norms are of just like everyone's if you're not in work you like pretty much always have a beer in your hand and um I'm not like you know you can have some drinks and and uh relax a little bit and it's not that big a deal but man I see a lot of people where it's affecting their lives a lot more than they realize and i just am so grateful that i've that i've gone a couple years without drinking now and and i don't mean to be one of those guys or preach too much or anything else but there is this one thing that i wanted to share with you guys because this just blew my mind and made me just angry and i i don't know much about the specifics and you're going to want to research this yourself but during the Psychonautics documentary, I went in for the ketamine treatment with Dr. Terry Early. One of the things they don't show in the documentary, one of the many things, there's bonus features available at psychonauticsfilms.com, by the way. Uh, a lot of stuff gets cut, um, ends up on the cutting room floor. But one of the many things is I, I talked about how much I was drinking and he was a cool guy and pragmatic and he was like, look, if you're going to be drinking that much here's what you should do um and he had like a list of a few things including a book i can't remember that i should check out um but one um ooh, libro.fm quick plug there uh offer code here we are three months free for audiobooks um <laughs> even though that doesn't come along with a book plug uh one of the things that he mentioned that was shocking to me was that 
alcohol depletes magnesium. And that and magnesium depletion leads to depression. So if you are going to be drinking, you're going to want to at least take some good like magnesium supplements or something. Research it yourself. I don't know enough about it. I, I'm not like a supplement person. Um, I, I don't I'm not a nutrition person. I don't it's it's huge, huge gap in my understanding. It's it's too the complexities of all of the uh, health and wellness stuff overwhelm me, and I think a lot of it is is kind of garbage and snake oil and at best. And um, and so I don't look into it nearly as much as I should because there is a lot of it that is really valuable if you are getting the right information. But magnesium, oh my gosh! So alcohols depleting magnesium magnesium depletion leading to depression and what do you do when you're depressed if you're this guy you drink more oh my goodness and so thus begins this vicious vicious cycle that even if you are going to drink it might at least help a little bit to throw a little magnesium on top of that something worth looking into isn't that shocking that they don't i i mean I guess enough people maybe don't know, but I just think it's ridiculous that that um, we aren't taught more pragmatic things like that. Now, the danger is you think you're taking like some, uh, well, I can drink as much as I want to, and then I'll just throw some magnesium on there, and I'm A-OK. Not at all the case. It's just, um, it's just if you are going to uh, drink, which... You're really not doing yourself too many favors in the long run. If you're having one or two drinks um, here and there or whatever, that's that's one thing. But um, if you have some issues like I had, man, I, I just could not recommend enough exploring some sober time. And I, I can always start drinking again anytime that I want to. That's super easy. Um, what's hard is, is giving yourself an opportunity to be sober and noticing people's, you know, I did a show in my hometown and a couple other shows in the Midwest and, you know, seeing some old friends and stuff. And it's just a lot of arrested development, a lot of people that aren't kind of growing personally, um, just because alcohol just slows down the process and at best makes you uh, plateau, at worst makes you regress. And man, some of, I mean, I've been hanging out with a couple people, you see them drunk and it's like they're making jokes that, that I was making when I was a 14-year-old and just immature at best. And it's sad and depressing and really i'm i'm not too far removed <laughs> from any of that it's eye opening too for me for me to see and you don't you don't see it until you've gotten a little more clear headed and like i said the first time i quit drinking it took me like a month and i was i couldn't believe how clear headed i was the second time i quit drinking it took a lot longer than that it took like a took like a year and a half before I really felt that same kind of um, clarity, but so worth it. Um, even even though I I definitely uh, feel like having a drink here and there, and it would be fun to have like lowered inhibitions um, 
once in a while. It's just, oh, my life is just so much better <laughs> without alcohol. And I, I just seem to be like an all or nothing type of a guy. And so, um, you know, I hope, I hope you don't mind me harping on it. But what's really interesting, and I want to talk about this next week in the outro, if I remember, um, is that uh, how here? Think about this concept, and and see if you see if you notice anything. And I'll exp- I'll try to remember to explore it a little more next week. And I definitely want to be talking about this in some future episodes with some academics. But see if you notice this: how you're feeling, even on a day to day, even on an hour to hour level. There's there's a lot of your assessment of your whole life is very dependent on how you are right now. Meaning that now, you know, I'm feeling better, taking a little bit better care of myself. My memories of my past and my childhood tend to just be a little bit fonder memories. Um, and and I, I seem to have like a little bit of like confirmation bias of like, hey, I'm... I'm a together person, and remember these other times in your life when you were together or enjoyed yourself or felt happy? And when you're drinking a lot and, you know, you screw up, and it's really not even that big of a, but you just remember, like, oh, I said this embarrassing thing last night, and then you're like, oh, I wonder what else I might have said that I would have forgotten. Then you just also tend to remember all these other times that you fucked up so hard and and I, I I'm really just like scratching the surface a little bit with with kind of some bigger ideas about how how memory works and and reinforces our our current perceptions and and conscious um, awareness and assessment of who we are and where we are in, in life but just the endless amounts of rumination that came along with that that I'm now realizing is just like you know I was just always constantly fighting off a hangover and along with that came negative feelings and a lot of negative emotions because I was like sick you know I was basically sick and when you're miserable you reflect back on all these other miserable experiences of your life because the brain's very associative and then also you need like these basis of comparison and so you just have a more negative view of your past you have a more negative view of your future and look i i also you know i'm not i'm not you know some i'm not turning into a self-help guru just yet anyway but um you know as i'm feeling better about myself i'm also noticing times in which that's delusional and overly optimistic and and not seeing life for what it is um but boy that that's definitely um the the lie to myself <laughs> that feels a little better in in the search in the, in the journey for for truth just once in a while giving myself an existence in life a little more the benefit of the doubt seems to keep me moving forward um a little bit easier at times if not 
um, you know, not always. Uh, I, I think some of the darkness is super interesting, and maybe I indulge in that too much. But, um, um, you know, uh, I, I just... It, anyway, it, it, it's something to think about. I'm, I'm going to go more into that, not, not attached to um, the subject of alcohol, but just attached to um, the idea of how, how memory works and what memories pop up into your head and when. Start paying attention to that when you have old memories. Why did that just pop into my head? And you might find that it's sometimes related to things um, in your current environment, and sometimes it's a useful memory, and sometimes it's not. But anyway, some food for thought. I'll, I'll get more into that. It's a, a, I have some rather complex ideas that I'm still figuring out, better ways of um, phrasing, all related to that same subject. But for now, if you're going to listen to nothing else, and you're going to keep drinking and telling yourself whatever story... Um, uh, that life is like too boring without alcohol or whatever dumb things my my consciousness whatever stories i would construct to keep drinking at least maybe uh throw a little magnesium on there or think about it so uh yeah i hope you guys are enjoying these i've, I've been getting a, a little bit positive feedback from this little kind of bonus content um that i'm i'm giving out there and then I'm not just plugging shows and giving you guys information. I'm uh, giving you guys a little more uh, look inside my hood as I'm trying to explore um, under uh, the inner workings of my own mind and existence as well. And it, it gives you guys a little bit of a frame of reference for where I'm coming from and some of the questions that um, often come out when I'm when I'm asking an academic and in the in the moment and feeling the pressure of it and trying to make it a little more concise often gets fumbled and um comes out even more convoluted than than uh um than i i would regularly so um so i've been enjoying doing this i'm, I'm going to maybe not do it every episode but uh keep it up for the foreseeable future and have some other ideas for the show i'll be sharing with you guys too so Thanks so much for listening. And those of you that listen all the way to the end, you are, of course, my favorites. And thanks for letting me know when you come out to shows that you're my favorites, too. It's always really fun. So take care of yourselves and have a good week. And I'll talk with you guys very soon.
It's Jack and Xavier, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.